For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. In fact, I would say on today's show, I'm especially and particularly excited because I get to talk about one of my favorite topics in Colorado Rockies history that, quite frankly, I had almost forgotten was one of my favorite topics in Colorado Rockies history. That's right, I've been promising you some Ubaldo Jimenez content, and uh, here it comes. I've got a lot to say on the subject, and in fact, I've got another video coming out on YouTube here before long where I'm going to dive more into the statistics. I may even do a little bit of a write-up on this because I think there's some argumentative stuff that needs to be done to truly recognize how good Ubaldo Jimenez was when he was here, much like with everything that has to do with the Colorado Rockies, including the way people are right now to me dismissing the entire 2007 team because of a silly little parallels piece that I wrote and how that team was, it was all luck and it was all, you know, right? Everything about this team gets dismissed. If you're listening to this show and, and you're you're familiar with my take on it, you know that that's my take on it. And it's this is one of the biggest pieces of evidence in that pile, along with Todd Helton not winning the MVP in 2000, along with Matt Holliday not winning it in 2007, the fact that Nolan Arenado never won one on down the list, Troy Tulowitzki's Rookie of the Year, and so on and so forth. But the entire career of Ubaldo Jimenez, sometimes people say, hey, he just had that one good season. Not true. Uh, some people uh, maybe a little bit more fairly characterize it as a short flash in the pan of a four or five year peak where, you know, he did have some good times after leaving Colorado, some pretty bad ones as well. But when you look at the overall career of Ubaldo Jimenez, quite frankly, for me, the bottom line is this. We all recognize that Coors Field is the most difficult place to pitch in modern baseball. We held out Larry Walker from the Hall of Fame for 10 years, and Todd Helton still isn't in. This is all that, all that MVP stuff I was just talking about is all in recognition to the fact that Coors Field makes offense happen, right? And so to not then turn around and recognize that the only guy who's ever really truly dominated, there have been some pitchers here who have managed some longevity of being well above the average for longer than you might think. The poster child for that is Aaron Cook, right? Never really dominant, but for eight or nine years, he was above the league average, sometimes pretty well above the league average, as a Rockies pitcher. And that's he's the only person to ever do that. So if you care about longevity, you go to Aaron Cook, and then next you go to Jorge De La Rosa, who obviously you know was able to do it for longer than Ubaldo, but never had those individual seasons or performances or moments, right? When you look at the big number for me that it really comes down to, it's that ERA plus. And at 128, 
he's way above everybody else. Kyle Freeland is in second place at 115. And with that number, a 13-point difference, it's kind of like with wins above replacement, right? That's massive. Uh, so... Ubaldo Jimenez is comfortably the best pitcher in Rockies history. And when you make that context, the best pitcher to have ever pitched in the most difficult environment to pitch in all of modern baseball, suddenly Ubaldo Jimenez doesn't just sound like, oh, it's a, it's a consolation prize. Yeah, he happened to be the best pitcher on a team that's never had any good pitching. Great honor, right? He's just the best of the bad pitchers. First of all, ERA Plus reveals that that's not true. And second of all, it, it just boggles my mind that it would be used against Ubaldo Jimenez. And and I often hear that it is like, yeah, okay, he's the greatest Rockies pitcher. So what? Big whoop. But actually being the greatest Rockies pitcher of all time means that he did something that nobody else has ever had to do. In fact, I asked him about this. You'll hear at the end, I'm going to play some audio for you. Obviously, one of the reasons I'm in on this, right, is Ubaldo Jimenez, along with Brad Hopp and Jason Jennings, who I do have some things to say about in another podcast. This is just the Ubaldo Jimenez show today. You know, you'll hear him at the end of this as I asked him. And this really was, for me, the most important question to ask. I wanted to ask about the blackout game, and I'm about to tell you two stories of Ubaldo Jimenez that are personal to me and that really matter to me. And quite frankly, the reason why him coming out here and me doing this has helped kind of revitalize, reignite my love for the game of baseball. Remember what it was like to just be a fan of his. Remember what it was like to cut class so I could watch him pitch. And I'm going to tell you that story in a minute. But God, when they talk about appointment television, appointment viewing, you don't want to miss this. That was Ubaldo Jimenez for a couple of seasons there, obviously mostly in 2010. But he was incredible. And so the idea that rather than say, he was incredible, and look at the degree of difficulty he he had in front of him, and look at how nobody else in the history of this franchise, all of the pitchers that have come and gone, who've had their chance to show that maybe they could excel, and they didn't. He's the only one on this mountaintop, if I may use a, a Rockies pun, if I will. And as much as I love and defend, especially De La Rosa and Cook, who I also think are incredibly underrated, I... Oddly enough, just looking back on it, I think Ubaldo is somehow more underrated because while people maybe recognize that, yeah, he was better, again, it seems to be put into this weird context of he's on top of a pile of Rockies pitchers who were terrible rather than he's the only guy who's done this. He is literally the only pitcher in the history of the game of baseball who's managed to figure out a way to be dominant while dealing with this environmental problem that anyone who's being honest about the situation knows exists and knows it's impacted lots of pitchers, plenty of whom had incredible resumes coming in here. Uh, so anyway, yeah, if you want the entire statistical story, like I said, stay tuned to milehighsports.com for uh, an article I'm working on. Probably, but definitely go to Mile High Sports YouTube channel for uh, all the numbers are going to be in there, making some graphics so you can, you know, compare and stuff. And it's just, God, Ubaldo was so much better than he's given credit for. And it's frustrating. But let's step away from the argumentative. Let's get outside of the context of how he's remembered or how he should be remembered. And let's just remember him. I want to tell you two stories today, and they're probably the two games you might think, but they're my own personal connection to it and reminding me of what this game is about, why we love it, why, certainly why I love it, right? So the first story that I want to tell is uh, the one I just mentioned, the, the 
no hitter, right? And I this was funny because I actually got to tell this story to Uvaldo after our scrum with several reporters, right? He probably did 15 or 20 minutes. He was incredibly gracious. Really seemed like just, this is my first time meeting him. And he always seemed like through the television, like such a sweet man, right? He's very soft-spoken. He's very kind. He's got a big smile. But it's all, it just felt so real, so authentic, so legitimately excited to be talking with us about his career, about the game, uh, all of these things. And so after the scrum, we're headed back up to the press box, and I just happened to run into Ibaldo in, in the hallway, you know, with the Rockies communications people who were with him and, and walking around and making sure he doesn't get bothered too much, I'm sure, or whatever. Um, and I was talking to another reporter uh, just kind of about how cool it was that we just got to interview Ubaldo and just saying, man, I, I, it really did take me back to my days when I was, I don't like to use the phrase just a fan, but you know what I mean, when I was... I had no professional obligations around this team whatsoever. And a a memory just came to mind and I started telling him the story. And as I was, I I, I rounded the corner and there's Ubaldo. So I just finished telling the story to Ubaldo. And it's essentially that when he threw that no hitter, I cut class in college at CU Boulder to watch it. What I think is really funny about that story is that, because of course, the second I said that, Ubaldo says to me, you knew. <laughs> and I didn't know he was going to throw a no-hitter that day in Atlanta. But I did not want to miss the game. It was that year. It was a day game. I had class. Uh, it it was I, I made a game-time decision. I remember even like walking out to the bus stop and, and looking down at my phone. And seeing that the the game was, uh, you know, the afternoon game was getting ready to start and thinking he's been, because remember you go back to that year and this is another one of those things when people talk about the weirdest or unlikeliest no hitters in, in MLB history, a lot of times they'll point to this one. One, because they don't consider Ubaldo to have been one of those guys, right? So it's a little unusual for that reason. He wasn't an all-timer, you know, Hall of Fame guy. And then there's the fact that he walked a bunch of people, right? It's not the prettiest no-hitter. Uh, it's got the whole story of where Bob Apodaca had to come out and tell him to start going from the stretch because he just didn't have his best command going out of the windup. He was throwing such ridiculous stuff, no one could hit it, but, but the guys were taking walks. I think he issued five, six walks in the no-hitter. Um, but he threw a no-hitter, Right. And the reason he threw a no-hitter is not because he got lucky on a random afternoon in Atlanta, which does happen sometimes, right? The Armando Galarraga, the Armando Galarraga, excuse me, um, perfect game that wasn't because of the Jim Joyce missed call, right? Those of you that remember that, that was a random ass. Everything clicked for a guy one day. He was never an elite pitcher before that. He would never be an elite pitcher after that, but he had all the stars aligned. He pitched the best game of his life and he should have gotten the perfect game. That's not what happened to Ubaldo Jimenez. What happened to Ubaldo Jimenez was he was pitching like Bob Gibson for half a season. He had a 9-1 record with a 0.88 ERA through 11 games. Ubaldo Jimenez was, for half of 2010, far and away comfortably the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. Anyone who was watching all of the games that year, which, yes, I've been doing this a long time, and yes, I 
watch every single game and I was watch especially that year. Like I said, this was appointment television. If you were paying attention to Ubaldo Jimenez pitch, you weren't going to do anything else when he was on the mound. If you look that that's the only time in Rockies history where I have felt this way. Kyle Freeland's been great at times in his tenure and I love watching him pitch. I'm a Colorado kid. I love watching Kyle Freeland pitch. Right, but there's never been a moment in my life where I thought, "Man, he might throw a no-hitter today." We thought that for Ubaldo every game. This is not revisionist history. I'm telling you, go back and listen to Drew Goodman, the guys on TV. Uh, I wasn't making content back then, but I'm telling you, I would have been saying, this guy's going to throw a no-hitter at some point. He had come dangerously close to it a couple of times. He, he was regularly going into the eighth inning with no runs and one hit or two hits, and a lot of times those were broken bat, like little dinkers. He was throwing... And you'll hear me ask him about this at the end, too, when I play the audio for you. Nearly unhittable stuff. Uh, Bill Simmons wrote a, an article. You'll, you'll hear me ask this question. I, I, basically saying that Ubaldo Jimenez had thrown the most unhittable pitch in the history of Major League Baseball. And I'm pretty sure that was before he threw the no-hitter. So, if ever there was a no-no that was inevitable, it was that one in Atlanta. And I guess the best proof that I have of that is the fact that I was on my way out. I was out the door. I was at the bus stop. And I went, and I hadn't missed a single game. It was just one of those random, you know, I'd even have to go back. Wasn't it like a Tuesday afternoon game? It was a middle of the week. Like it wasn't a Sunday because I had class. And so I remember thinking, no, 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 you know, you'll get, and it was one of those, frankly, <laughs> one of those classes, you know, you didn't philosophy major you guys <laughs> it's not like I missed a big you know math experiment that day but like Ubaldo said there was some part of me that knew that and I watched it by myself in my room I actually had a roommate at the time who was a Cubs fan and I had the downstairs room he had the upstairs room and it was a three-level townhouse so the middle is like where the living room and kitchen and stuff are so he was all the way upstairs I was all the way downstairs. I watched the first eight innings on my own. And then I ran upstairs and said, hey, come down here and, and watch the ninth inning. And he said, why? And I said, I'm not going to tell you. I just want you to come down here and watch the ninth inning of this baseball game. And we watched him finish it off. And I told this story to you, Baldo. And he acted like I was an old friend from home. He wanted to know more. Were you jumping up and down and yelling? How excited were you? You didn't say any words. Oh, good thing you didn't say it. Might not have happened if you'd have said it. You know, the whole, he was just into it, man. Uh, and that really, really warmed my heart because that was a long time ago now. Uh, it feels like several lifetimes ago, but it all came kind of flooding back to me in this, in this way. Speaking of which, though, I've got to tell you the other story, which is uh, even more intense in a lot of ways. And I'm not going to get deep into this because it's not that kind of show, but let's go back to 2007 now. And I will say this sentence and not elaborate on it too much, but 2007 was the worst year of my life. That sounds really weird as a Rockies person, right? Um, but on the personal realm, I was going through an extraordinary amount of drama, difficulty, call it what you want, right? It was tough. And my folks were in town for games 160 and 162 
against Arizona, the ones they won, right? We went to both of those, not the one, the middle one, the frustrating, the the 15th of the 14 of 15, whenever we say that number, or 21 of 22, right? That one game that they lost to Arizona in there was the one we didn't go to that weekend. Um, wasn't able to get tickets to game 163, probably the biggest missed opportunity in my sports fandom history. But... You know, mom and dad had been in town for that that last weekend, but obviously they could stick around forever. Couldn't do all the baseball, right? We're not made of money. They went back home. Rockies are in the NLDS, though. They win the first couple games in Philadelphia, and I simply have to be there. I simply have to be there. Now, I didn't have anybody to go with. This was a time in my life where that's just the reality of the situation. And so I, for the first and to this point only time in my life, went to a baseball game by myself. Uh, I was in a weird state mentally, uh, as you'll hear me tell Ubaldo in a minute. Uh, I went in a t-shirt. I had, It was a freezing October night in Denver, Colorado. I was living in Boulder at the time. Uh, and I just drove down, parked in like another neighborhood, walked my ass there, bought a single ticket for $100 and sat about 14 or 15 rows down the third base line back. I was basically even with third base and watched while I froze my ass off and had to run out and buy a sweater just to keep myself warm. <laughs> uh, and actually, I, I did that during a blackout. Ubaldo Jimenez, rookie. I think he made, uh, I've got it in the video, 16 or 17 starts in his career. Now he's pitching in the NLDS against the Philadelphia Phillies, who were the best and most expensive team in the National League that year, and absolutely favored to beat the Rockies in that series. And you got a rookie on the bump, again at Coors Field, right? So deal with that. And it's freezing ass cold for the Dominican. <laughs> Probably not. You'll hear him say like, ah, I remember that was the first thing that he remembered about, you know, other than that, the fact that he's pitching the most high stakes game of his career, which is only 17 games old to that point. Um, and the lights went out. Never before or since have I seen anything quite like that. Just a blackout. There was the, that football game with the, was it Ravens 49ers, right? That was a similar thing. Um, but obviously I wasn't at that game, <laughs> uh, but to see Ubaldo deal with that, continue to deal Rockies win two, one ultimately on a Jeff Baker single through the right side, the flying Hawaiian Shane Victorino tagged Ubaldo for the only run he would give up in the game, uh, a Homer to right 6.1 innings pitched. Like it blows my mind that he was just able to go out and do some of the things that he was just able to go out and do. And, you know, that could have been a, I don't know, a, a bad memory for me somehow, but that that game was really one of, the, one of the most surreal kind of experiences of my life. You know, it just was out there by myself watching a thing because I felt like I just had to be there. I had to be a part of it. And then the lights went out. I felt like I almost froze to death. I had to go buy myself a sweater. I still can't believe they actually won the ball game. You know, all of that stuff. But, man, when we think back on the career of Ubaldo Jimenez and 
you know, people want to say, ah, oh, it's just the first half of 2010. Forget that the 18th start of his big league career was that. Was beating those guys in that environment with that kind of nonsense happening around him. Uh, man, what a talent. What a guy, as it were. So... What I'm going to do now is go ahead and play the audio for you from our conversation. I've kind of edited it together a little bit to mostly get the stuff that I asked him. Not that I'm not interested in some of the things that other people asked him about, but I just wanted to make sure to kind of codify it all for for you all. But I did want to include one question that was asked by my good friend Renee, uh, who's done plenty of work at Purple Row, and she's got some stuff on uh, Just Baseball now, and so you can go and check her stuff out. But she asked a pretty great question uh, about his academic career now that his baseball career is over, and I thought that was really interesting, so I left it in. But here's a bit of our conversation with Ubaldo Jimenez. Ubaldo, one of my favorite sports memories of all time is being at the blackout game. What are your memories of that? How wild was that night? And, and when you just go back and think of that game, what did that mean? Well, I, I remember it was really cool. <laughs> I wore a t-shirt to the guy to buy a... What? I, I, I know, I had to buy a wild card sweater and still got it yeah. somewhere in the stands. Yeah, but I remember I was getting ready to throw the pitch. And then just, we just got it, but I was like, what? Does it, is this really happening in the in the major league? I mean, you don't probably in the Dominican Republic might happen a lot, but in the major <laughs> the biggest game you'd ever pitched in your life to that moment. And it yeah, was a tie ball game at the time. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. But after that, I mean, we we everyone was were surprised. I mean, you don't see that in, in the majors getting a blackout. But I was uh, fortunately to get back and stay focused and. And go out there whenever they had, whenever I had a chance to compete again. I also wanted to ask you. You mentioned your your sinker, your moving fastball. I remember a piece that was written by Bill Simmons at the time that said that was maybe the most unhittable pitch ever thrown. You remember that yeah, piece yeah. when he said uh, that pitch and, and just when that two seamer sinker pitch was moving like that. How did that feel? It felt great. It felt great. <laughs> I was uh, I untouchable. I was I was throwing hundred miles per hour with a sink like this. I remember with that, when that guy wrote that, it was, uh, I threw a pitch to Juan Uribe. That's right. We were facing the Giants. It was a 99 miles per hour right in the corner, outside corner. So, but it felt good. It would have hit, a, it looked like it was going to hit a left-handed hitter yeah. and stand in there. Yeah, it, it, caught the, it felt good. Maybe I mean, the most unhittable pitch ever thrown. Yeah, that's why you need. That's why you need to have the push for you need sinker. <laughs> Probably would have struck out Babe Ruth in that pitch, man. <laughs> Probably. Uh, maybe Otani. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> so, so I saw you finished your college degree, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Congratulations. How, yeah. So does that with part of your tennis game, or how does that work? No, no, tennis game is just uh, for hobby. I just uh, uh, my college degree was uh, when I signed with the Rockies when I was 17. My mom allowed it because the Rockies gave me the opportunity to finish high school. Yes, they were the only team that they were like, we're gonna sign you and we're gonna allow you to finish high school. So my mom made me pro- promise her that whenever I was done with my career, I was gonna go back to college and get a degree. And after I retired from baseball, I was like, this is the time. What kind of degree did you get? I got a business administration in Florida Tech. 
congratulations. Oh, congratulations. Uh, almost four years. Yeah. Did, she, did she hold you to that the whole, all the way through? Or? Yeah, she yeah. never made me forget. She was like, hey, remember you're going to have to go back to college. I know, Mom, I would. Bobo. <laughs> It's kind of weird to say, but I look at the numbers and I look at things objectively and you're the greatest pitcher in Colorado Rockies history, according to ERA, ERA plus all those kinds of things. Is that something you think of yourself as and is that something that means something to you? It means a lot. I mean, I don't think uh, like, oh, I'm the best. No, I, it feels good to be able to be in that, in that part of the history of the Rockies organization because it is... It is not easy. It is not easy to make it to the major league, and especially pitching in Coors Field. So uh, I'm grateful it's for it. It's going to be a special club. Only the people who've done it and had to pitch half their games here really know what that's like. Yeah, right? because a lot of pitchers, they come from, uh, they play another team, they come here for one day, they have a good game, but they, have, they leave. They don't know about the adjustment they have to do. When you play over here, and then your body get used to it, but then you have to go play on the road and then come back. That's, that is the hardest thing. Maybe, so, maybe one of the hardest things in baseball. Yeah, it is. It, it is difficult. You have to. Uh, you need to have a bulldog mentality to pitch here. <laughs> right on. So yeah, first of all, thank you, of course, to Ubaldo Jimenez for coming out and taking part in the event and answering the questions so earnestly and, and just being really awesome and chill about everything. And I just wanted to say, yeah, to kind of put a bow on the whole thing, right? Chad Bettis told me one time that, and he really codified this for me, that Rockies players across the board, and I think more so for pitchers, have to make the most extreme adjustments of anyone in the game of baseball, right? Baseball is a game of adjustments. It's all about those tiny little things. And as you heard Ubaldo say at the end there, it just requires an absolute bulldog mentality, whatever you want to call it. You have to be differently wired to be able to be successful at Coors Field. If you're listening to this, you can probably rattle off a list of 10 plus names of guys from Mike Hampton and Denny Nagel to Wade Davis and Jake McGee, Brian Shaw, on down the line, right? Who have had Jeremy Guthrie, I'm not going to do them all, who some of them all stars elsewhere, some of them pretty good players, some of them great players, all of them got chewed up and spit out by Coors Field like it was nothing. A little harsh on Wade Davis, who does hold the <laughs> franchise record in saves. But even even him, right? That's maybe even a great example of that there's a guy who did find a certain amount of dominance. Like when you look at his strikeout numbers, that one season in 2018 when he set all the, the those records for the saves, you know, when he didn't blow it, he was really, really good. When he did blow it, he was really, really bad, right? Which I think is, again, just indicative of what happens to most Rockies pitchers over enough time. Given enough opportunities, Coors Field will just tear your numbers to shreds. But they didn't to you, Baldo Jimenez. And the more time passes, the more pitchers come in and out of here, the more guys, even like guys like Armand Marquez, who looked like he very comfortably could have passed you, Baldo Jimenez, for everything. But he didn't and hasn't yet, right? 
either from a longevity standpoint or from a dominance standpoint. There have been lots of guys with high-end talent who've shown up and tried to figure this out, and none of them have. Except for Ubaldo Jimenez. Guy was an absolute beast and deserves so much more credit than he ever gets. And yes, I am about to become an obnoxiously loud captain for the Ubaldo Jimenez hype train and re-understanding this guy's career. Because I don't, like I said, I had almost forgotten about it. When I tend to think of my own favorite memories or favorite Rockies throughout the years, there's the the big names like the Blake Street. There's a lot of position players, isn't it? And I've always said, yeah, Ubaldo Jimenez is the best pitcher in franchise history. But because of certain underratedness, I do get more into like the stories of guys like Aaron Cook and and Jorge De La Rosa, because you do kind of have to take a magnifying glass at their statistics and and get there. But with Ubaldo, you, you really don't. The guy was tremendous. And it should be well understood. So I'm going to be doing more of this. Like I said, be you know checking out all the written content at milehighsports.com. Be subscribed to the Mile High Sports YouTube channel, because I'm really excited about the video that I'm making there and all of the videos that I've made so far, including the one on Jorge De La Rosa, so we can continue having this conversation in a wider context. So I hope you'll go and check all of those things out. I hope you'll check out all of the stuff on the Mile High Sports Network, especially you Denver Nuggets fans. I am going to go ahead and give one big Go Nuggets shout out right now here as we get ready for the NBA Finals to come to Denver, Colorado for the first time in their history. I'm very excited about that. So thank you all for listening in to this episode of the podcast. Please spend a little bit of time on Ubaldo Jimenez's baseball reference or fan graphs page today and and tell a friend, right? Be sure to tell a friend today just how good Ubaldo Jimenez really was. Thank you all for listening in, for being absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ball. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.